Welcome into another edition of the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls, back from a week of vacation. Um, a lot happened during the week. We had the Buzz Williams uh, contract extension, the new uh, SEC schedule getting announced for the, the 24 season, uh, getting announced as well last week. So a lot lot to get to. Carter, first off, welcome back. How was how's the, the trip? It's good, man. I went to a uh, wedding in New York, and we were kind of afraid at first. We're like, "Can we breathe up there?" You know, we're seeing all these <laughs> reports the about the oxygen and the smoke. But hey, uh, I, I'm good now. But if I like pass out mid podcast, you, you know why? <laughs> there we go. You know, you know why. Well, glad, glad you're back. Glad you're back again. Like, like I said, we got a lot to get to. I saw some of the pictures and. Um, did look pretty serious up there. Um, we're going to start with that uh, announcement of the 2024 schedule. Yesterday, uh, last week, was obviously a lot going on with recruiting, camps, a commitment from Miles O'Neill. Um, and, and right around the time that O'Neill announced his commitment, the 2024 schedule was also revealed. And A&M will draw Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, and Texas for their home games, and Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State, and South Carolina for their road games. Your reactions, just what when you hear that schedule, what 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 kind of comes to mind? Amazing for AM. Uh that, that really mm-hmm. is uh the way to look at it here because I mean you avoid Bama and Georgia and yeah. Like, again, people are going to maybe call me a coward for for saying, oh, no, we want to play the best teams. But, no, like, if you want to make the 12-team playoff, having an easier schedule in this crazy conference can can help you out. So you avoid Bama and Georgia. Then three of your biggest games, I would say, in Notre Dame, Texas, and LSU, they're all at home. Uh, You know, in your road games – you kind of go down the line. Auburn, they're, they're kind of in this rebuild with with Hugh Freeze. Florida, you know, Billy Napier, we don't know if he's that guy yet. He's done a really good job on the recruiting uh, cycle uh, in 2023, but on the field, it, it hasn't been there yet. Mississippi State, obviously, they've got all – uh, kind of a, a rebuild, I guess maybe you would call it, with, with having a new coach. Um, South Carolina, it's not going to be Spencer Rattler anymore. We'll see where they are. But, like, you, you kind of look through this list, and it's like there's no at Georgia or at LSU or just this daunting road opponent. Your biggest games are at home. You're avoiding the two best teams in the SEC. And your 2023 class or 2022 class that was so good will all be juniors by then. And you think of 2023, and realistically, I don't think anyone's expecting AM to make the playoff or, or do anything super crazy. But if you can get to eight or nine wins this year, you could really set yourself up well in 2024. Uh, you know, and you think about, okay, what does this team need to do to set up for a big 24? You think, okay, like, let's have some stability, you know, not lose a bunch of guys to the transfer portal again, not not have, you know, the the off-the-field stuff. And then, you know, have a, a season you can look at and say, hey, this is building toward the future. You know, eight or nine wins is a big improvement from five. 
I think nine is kind of the the number I've set for like, this is where you begin to feel optimistic. So if they get to nine this year, it could build up to a really good 24 just because it sets up well in just about every way for A&M. No, it definitely does. And, and even the 2023 schedule, we were talking about it before we went on air, that it sets up a little more favorable that you don't have that stretch like last year where you're on the road for, for more than a month. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, that's the other angle I looked at it and, and thought to myself when I first saw the schedule, what an opportunity a and going to have in 2024. From When you look at the fall, they're going to be able to have three massive recruiting weekends. When you think about Notre Dame, LSU, and Texas, those are all schools that are obviously going against a, a lot on the recruiting trail. And you're going to be able to have huge visit weekends probably once during non-conference, whenever the Texas game gets scheduled. And then the LSU game, that's that's a huge opportunity if you're able to kind of deliver on those games. That could be a real springboard into 2020 to close out what will be the 2025 class and also look ahead to the 2026 class. I know we're, we're jumping ahead a couple classes, but you know, you always kind of set yourself up a little bit ahead of that cycle. And so that was kind of my first reaction when I, when I looked at the schedule and thought, man, they're going to be able to have some, and Arkansas is going to be obviously an AT&T game, but it'll be A&M's turn to host or home be the home team, which means they'll be able to give out tickets to a lot of the the local DFW guys. But given the rest of the home slate, I think you know they'll they'll have some bigger recruiting weekends on campus where they can really take advantage of. And I'm with you on when I looked at Florida, I kind of thought, okay, we don't we don't really know where they're gonna be, you know, in a year from Grimmerts. Graham Burns potentially does DJ Lagway come right in and start like is that the answer there's just so many questions when you look at 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 Florida Mississippi State that probably won't be an easy trip that never usually never is Auburn on the road won't be easy either but from the standpoint that like you said miss out on you don't get Georgia you don't get Alabama and you don't get Tennessee who's obviously coming off a really good year and if they're kind of sustaining things going forward you kind of miss out on on those groups we do miss out on a lane kiffin a&m game which always provides some some spice but i i'm with you i think it it sets up pretty well for a&m and uh you know there's no easy road in the sec but this is about as 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 good of an opportunity as you could you could really ask for to take advantage of so it's fair to say Playoff or bust, right? Because uh, at that point, yeah. if it was a four-team playoff, I mean, when people say playoff or bust, it's like you better have a really freaking good team because that's hard to make the four-team playoff. Yeah. But 12-team playoff, I, I think at that point you'd say playoff or bust, 10 or at least 10 wins. You know, you, you got to get to that. Uh, when you're, you're not playing Bama or Georgia, you got to take advantage. And this is one of the things that, I continue to think about when I think about the long-term schedule model for the SEC, you know, there's so much talk about the 366 model, 177, who will be the permanent rivals, what rivalries will be left out. I'm kind of thinking, is a going to play Bama and Georgia every year or, or, or uh, in the same year? Because, you know, I th- I think the hidden value of the schedule can be 
who are in your rotating years, because that's what will determine how difficult your schedule is. And I think if you can get Bama and Georgia in the same year, it would kind of suck, but that next year you'd be freed up. You you could have this odd year, even year, you know, you'd be the San Francisco Giants where it's just like, you know, every other year you're good, you know, <laughs> but like uh, take that year kind of be OK. And then, yeah, and, then back the next and you year. could recruit to that year. You know, you, I mean, you could have more of a front loaded that that could be the class where you take, you know, a ton of guys. And then the next year you, you don't take as many guys. I don't know that that might be a little bit more complicated. But generally speaking, you could say every other year is the year. And yeah. it would set up well if they can manage to do that. This 24 season can give them the template. It can show them, hey, this could be that every other year thing for you if you if you you know don't get both of them. Now, long term, we'll see just how good Bama and Georgia are 20 years from now. Uh, so y- you can't lock yourself into this kind of recency bias, you know, like. Uh, Nick Saban complaining about playing Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn every year. It's like, okay, well, Tennessee sucked before last year. So you wouldn't have said that uh, before last year. And, you know, same with LSU in certain points and same with Auburn in certain points. It's like this recency bias. You can't say, oh, crap, they're going to play this team because 10 years from now that team could be pretty good. So – but – Bam and Georgia are the Titans right now. And so short term, I think it'd be great if you could load them in the same year and then have that off year. And 24, I think, will be that blueprint where we'll see how that can work out for them. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about how favorable the 2024 schedule, t- you know, sets up. It could be, we don't know how the 2025 schedule is going to set up, but projecting ahead, they're going to have to go on the road to Notre Dame, obviously, is the second part of that home and home. And, depending on what happens with Alabama and Georgia, you know, it could be the year where you kind of need to take advantage of depending on what that 2025 schedule looks like. And so I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk a little more about important years coming up. And and there was some more big news last week, kind of right as I was walking out of the camps, the news came out about Buzz Williams extension through 2028. We're going to talk about that right after a quick break. Welcome back into the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Switching over to the basketball front, like I mentioned before, right before the break, AM extends Buzz Williams to through the 2028 season. The contract details were not released, and so we're working on, on, on getting more information on that front. But uh, coming off their first NCAA tournament appearance under Buzz Williams. They, they make that decision, Ross Bjork, saying that he's really excited about the direction the program's heading, and there is a lot to be excited about. Um, Carter, your, your reaction to kind of the decision to extend him and, and where the program stands right now? Yeah, well, it, it's hard. Without knowing the full details of the contract extension, it's, it's hard to make a harsh judgment, but uh, it's a two-year Additional uh, extension is what we do know. Um, And, you know, I kind of had mixed feelings. I I mostly just had questions because, you know, you look at his body of work and there's no doubt 
he is a great coach. There's no doubt he's had success. He's got a proven track record. And he's been fantastic these last couple seasons at AM. And you look at where the direction of the program is going. Uh, the recruiting's been awesome this upcoming cycle. He's getting in some good yeah. transfers. And I really think this upcoming season could be a, a, this season where they finally win some games in the tournament and they and they make it to that second weekend. I just – I guess my question is why? Like why do you have to do it now? He, he had a few years left on his contract. You gave him an extension last year. He was already one of the most paid coaches uh, in college basketball, at least, you know, top 15, something like that. So what was the reason? You know, you weren't going to lose him – in the summer and I don't think you could be negatively recruited against when you got three years left on your contract. So just, I think AM fans, it's, it's easy to kind of overreact because you, you feel kind of the PTSD of, of Jimbo's contract say, extension. Yep. You say, Oh my gosh, did we not learn our lesson? <laughs> uh, and I kind of, I kind of see that. Um, and I guess my question is more just why, like, were, were you afraid you're going to lose them? Were you, were you getting negatively recruited against? Were you getting a deal on this? Like maybe uh, if they make it far next year, you could say, Oh, we don't have to up his contract again. Cause we just did it. And, and we got a, a steal here. And, and uh, yeah. so there's a lot of ways you can look at it, but my biggest thing is how many coaches get extended twice without winning a tournament game. That just doesn't happen. And, you know, that's four seasons, two extensions, zero tournament wins. I say all that by also saying, hey, I think this guy's a great coach, and I think he will get them there. It's just the timing. I, I think if they did this a year from now, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Two years left. Hey, maybe you've won a tournament game or two. But the timing is just kind of like, I don't know, man. So I don't know. You may, yeah. you may differ from me, but I, it's, I, the why I, is why. I think it's from a recruiting standpoint. I think that's really what it comes down to. And I, I, I can understand, you know, the the reaction on the, on the board when the story <laughs> was kind of like really like now like have have has AM not learned? And that was kind of the vibe throughout the entire story. But then I thought there were some good points there. Uh, I think it's it's from a recruiting standpoint, and I think that's kind of where they're they're thinking is they want to be able to head out on the recruiting trail and say, listen, his contract extended through the next four years, and provide sort of that stability and and kind of get out ahead of, you know, is there if you, you mentioned is there any negative recruiting? I haven't heard of any sort of negative recruiting about his contract or anything like that, but I think they just want to get out ahead of of any type of you know, rec negative recruiting from that standpoint and, and, and be able to say, you know, he's, he's here, he's locked in for the long term. Obviously they've, they're off to a really nice start in the 2024 class. All three of those guys, whether it's on the 24 seven sports rankings or, or the composite are ranked inside the top 100. So, you know, that's, that's a, that's a really nice class that he's building together. And I'm, I'm not sure they're done yet. I think they're banking a little bit on the future too. And it's that can that's probably where AM fans get like a little bit nervous when it comes to contract extensions. Obviously, he's coming off that first tournament appearance. 
and has gone 52 and 23 in his last two seasons. Like I said, got to the tournament, didn't didn't get in, didn't uh, didn't go well once they got there, losing to Penn State, but brought in a really nice transfer class. This is probably the best team that he's had yet since he's been in College Station from a experience standpoint. Um, but I was doing a podcast earlier this week, and the other point that I think we all kind of came to on the on the podcast was this is kind of a really massive year for for A and M from where this team is. And, 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 you know, Wade Taylor's heading into his third year. You know, if he has a really good year, does he look to maybe look at his pro options? If he's coming off back-to-back really good years in the SEC, you know, Tyrese Radford is obviously coming back for another year. It's the third year for Henry Coleman, second for Julius Marble. Like, this is about as veteran a team as you're going to get. So I think – you know, with a contract extension, with the belief from the from the program and the fan support that you were able to generate last year, the next step is being able to win some games in the tournament and advance and start to have that postseason success. And then I think this all starts to come together, but they still need to go out and do it. But, you know, from that standpoint, I can understand the contract extension. I, I think that's kind of where – they were they were thinking and trying to project it forward maybe a year or two. Yeah, I I just I still go back to like he could have done it next year, you know. He, there's yeah. nothing stopping you. There's it's not like you he's gonna go take this West Virginia right? job. Yeah, it so man. I, it was three years left, uh with it being through twenty six. Through twenty six, yeah. Yeah. And so it was a two year extension through twenty eight. Yes. So, you know, three years left and I don't know. I just, it's yeah. more the why and it's more the, you could have done it next year. Like not doing it now, I don't think hurt you. You know, I don't think, I don't think recruits would have gone, whoa, he only has three years left. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, I think, it, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think it'll cost you. I, I think Buzz, as I'm in the right direction. So as much as we maybe want to uh, nitpick it, I don't, I don't think it's going to end up being that big of a deal probably. No, I don't. And I also would, would push back. I don't, from those who have gotten to obviously know Buzz Williams over the last couple of years, the talk of a contract extension, like causing him to be lazy and all that sort of stuff. Like yeah. Buzz Williams is not really wired that way. Like he's, he's did like, the guy is so regimented down to when like his workout yes. takes place and what time he needs to be done with his workout to be in his meeting, to do film study and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I don't think there's really a worry about like a contract extension is going to cause him to relax or anything like that. I don't think he's, I just don't think he's wired that way. He's too competitive. He's, He's, he's just, he just doesn't work that way. Now I wanted to ask you too, cause I was asked on, on a, on a, like I mentioned, I did a podcast earlier this week about A&M basketball and was, was kind of asked about this. And is there, is, do you sense there's pressure in A&M this season to, to deliver from just where the roster stands and all that sort of stuff? Or what kind of pressure do you see on A&M this season? Yeah, I think there is just because of, how last year ended. Um, yeah. I think there will be pressure because 
they've really loaded up this non-conference schedule. They're, they're going to have games that matter right away, and it'll be a great test for them. And I'm interested to see, can they put it together wire to wire? Because it's been a team where the highs have been extremely high the last couple of years, but the lows have been pretty low. Can, can they be more of that complete team that can do it from start to finish? And I think they learned a lot of lessons last year. And now that yeah. they're veterans, you know, like Wade Taylor, <clears throat> as great of a player as he was, he was only a freshman and a sophomore. <clears throat> yeah. So I think he having that, <clears throat> man, I got, I think it's the uh, New York air. Yeah, it's the New York air. It's the New York air. So, uh, but yeah, I think Wade uh, being an extra year in, already being a first team all SEC player, seeing the next level that he can get to um, and some of these transfers, I think they're going to have better depth. I think they're going to have better versatility, better, better defenders, uh, better three point shooting. Uh, I think three point shooting is, is kind of where the pressure is at right now. That's been kind of the weak mm-hmm. point for this team. Um, but yeah, they, they need to win a game at least in the tournament to kind of satisfy fans, maybe make a sec the second weekend, depending on how the year goes. Uh, but yeah, it's just, there is that pressure there, especially when you just gave it, gave them the extension. Um, I think really the, the other question for me is uh, we've seen what buzz can do with guys who were either not recruited or not on the national radar you know, turning guys like uh, Tyrese Radford into, into a second-team OSCC player. Um, will he be able to begin recruiting and developing the star guys, the the really good players within the state and within the country? It seems like he's doing that with this upcoming class. Uh, but that's kind of where I think this, this uh, next step is because, like, he is an incredible in-game coach and an incredible uh, developer of talent. The question is the, like, can you get the blue chip recruits? Can you get the blue chip transfers? I think he's beginning to show that he can do that. I mean, he's done it before, but like at, at an even higher level now that he's had some success here. And the question is like, how much does that raise your ceiling once you begin to do that? Because your ceiling is only so high when you've got a team that's that's full of guys that are kind of overachieving. But once you start to get these freakish athletes and these NBA prospects, like that's where I'm curious to see where that takes this program because they haven't had a lot of NBA prospects over the years and they haven't under buzz. Um, Well, I think you're going to start to see more of them come in the, in the next couple of years, next few years. And that's where I think you'll see this program take that next step. No doubt. Even you look at a guy like Dexter Dennis, that was so pivotal for them last year. If you look at a lot of mock drafts, he's not really on him. He's kind of in that fringe range has had some, some workouts with a lot of teams and I could totally see him getting like a two way deal or a G or summer league invite or something like that, but hasn't quite, you know, broken into a lot of the the draft stuff. I do like what A and M's done from a scheduling standpoint. I think we've yeah. we've kind of had this discussion over the last couple of years. You know, that play in Houston 
for example. I think that's a nice early season matchup to have there. And it's one of those things, if you lose it early in the year, the committee has shown they're not going to punish you for doing that. And so, you know, playing a team like Houston, playing Memphis, who's, you know, Penny Hardaway's had them right on the doorstep of the NCAA tournament or in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years. Like, that's a nice scheduling, you know, game to have in the Yada Conference. And, and it's not going to punish you. If you, if you, yeah. if you are competitive and you're winning some of those games, you can get some nice resume boosters. And I think that's kind of the feeling from last year was, okay, that, that team probably should have been like a four seed, right? Like coming second in the SEC, going 15 and three, that probably should put you in the four range in terms of seeding. That gives you a better chance of advancing seeding wise and all that sort of stuff being a favorite. And so, you know, it, it instead you do, instead you have to play a team like Penn state that had just made a run to the, you know, in the big 10 tournament was coming in pretty hot and, you know, goes from there. I think, you know, and, and you look at this, this upcoming class, you mentioned Andre Mills, Rob Dockery and George Turks. And that's a really nice start to the 2024 class. And, Kind of relationships played a played a nice role there. Obviously, uh, Mass Rivals is a team that has a lot of ties to this current A and M staff. Where Bisabidi played on Mass Rivals, and A and M was just able to kind of work that connection, work that relationship, and get some really nice players and Andre Mills and and George Turkson. I'm with you. I think if if this is kind of where things are going on the recruiting trail now, with things kind of rolling off a tournament appearance and getting top 100 players, the ceiling starts to get a lot higher. And then you start to supplement that with, with the transfer portal and, and the future could be really bright. So, you know, I don't think they're going to be a a program that's constantly in the mix for those five stars who are G league guys and all that sort of stuff. But if, if you're recruiting top 100 talent, I think that that's where this program needs to live. And if you're in the nut, you know, you're in on the guys that are maybe national top 50 guys, maybe in the 40 to 60 range. That's kind of where this program needs to live. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. And, and basketball season is going to be here before we know it. Well, that was that was good. Um, thanks again to everybody for, for joining us on this edition of the podcast. Be sure to hit the like and share button on YouTube and subscribe to our channel both on the podcast and the video side to get a notification every time a new video drops. And we will definitely be back next week to dive into a lot more Um, media days are right around the corner, just a couple weeks away. So we'll start looking ahead to some topics and and some key questions facing A&M as the season is just around the corner. It'll be here before we know it. Like I said, recruiting, recruiting wraps up a big June wraps up at the end of the month. And then it's kind of time to turn the focus towards the team. So thanks again for joining us, everybody, and and have a good week.